Welcome back, everyone, to 420Pod. 420Pod is presented by the 420 Clinic, a medical cannabis resource center in southern Alberta. Visit us online at 420clinic.ca or connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. My name is Matthew Lundy. Today's episode is about post-traumatic stress disorder. Please be aware that during this episode, we'll be talking about trauma. This includes mature themes such as violence and sexual content related to post-traumatic stress disorder. Because of the nature of the content we will be covering on today's show, audience discretion is advised. We will start by looking at some statistics, read some testimonials, and then we'll dive into the science and look at some clinical studies to reveal exactly how cannabis can help manage and treat this severe anxiety condition. Let's start with some statistics from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. PTSD most often occurs after exposure to life and death situations, serious injury, or sexual violation. Examples include experiencing trauma directly, witnessing in person a traumatic event, or experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to details of traumatic events, um, such as the case with first responders, police officers, or soldiers, where you're repeatedly exposed to these things day after day. PTSD is diagnosed after a person experiences symptoms for at least a one month following a traumatic event. That being said, symptoms may not appear until several months or even years later. PTSD is characterized by three main types of symptoms. The first group of symptoms deals with re-experience. This can happen through distressing recollections of the event, flashbacks, and also nightmares. The second group of symptoms is all about emotional numbness. This can lead to avoidance of places, people, and activities that are reminders of the trauma. The third and final group of symptoms deals with increased arousal. This includes difficulty sleeping, concentrating, feeling jumpy, and being easily irritated and angered. This could include irritable, aggressive, reckless, or self-destructive behavior. I'd like to jump to a testimonial from someone who has seen these symptoms firsthand. This comes from an organization out of the States called Minnesotans for Compassionate Care, or MCC. One of their members, Tim Majerus, saw the benefits of medical cannabis firsthand while working as a pastor in hospice care and also while working with military veterans diagnosed with PTSD. Here is his personal testimony on medical cannabis for PTSD. As a former military officer, college professor, Lutheran pastor, and for the past 14 years, a therapist specializing in substance abuse counseling and domestic violence, I have seen firsthand how beneficial cannabis can be for those suffering from a variety of medical conditions. I first came face to face with the benefits of medical cannabis while serving as a pastor. I worked with several terminally ill people in hospice care. 
Most, if not all of these individuals were prescribed medications that made them feel even sicker. I noticed patients who were prescribed those medications tend to exhibit signs of withdrawal and cravings as their tolerance to the drugs increased. The increase in tolerance meant that the medications eventually lost their effectiveness, so the patient would need more and more for the medication to be effective. However, a few hospice patients chose to use cannabis, which was still illegal at the time, to help their end-of-life coping, pain, and other ailments. The terminally ill patients who chose to violate the law and use cannabis all seemed to feel better as their nausea was greatly reduced and their appetites were heightened. At the same time, they each seemed to be more at ease with their end-of-life anxieties. These patients did not exhibit signs of withdrawal or cravings, leading me to conclude that cannabis is not as addicting, physically or psychologically, as the narcotics and benzodiazepines routinely prescribed. As a former military officer, I have also observed these same benefits for those who suffer from PTSD. Like the hospice patients I worked with, veterans diagnosed with PTSD are also routinely prescribed narcotics and benzodiazepines for their conditions. Just like the terminally ill patients I dealt with in hospice care, I saw the veterans spending a great deal of time coping with the ill side effects of their prescribed medications, ultimately making their conditions even worse. In order to avoid increasing the dosages of some of these medications, many of the veterans supplemented their prescriptions with alcohol, another physically addicting yet legal psychoactive substance. A few of the veterans I worked with, like the terminally ill patients described above, chose to violate the law at the time and use cannabis instead. Those who chose to do so were much better adjusted. They found their chronic pain was lessened and their PTSD was less debilitating and seemed to be in remission. These vets, just like the hospice patients, found effective relief from these severe ailments from cannabis, a drug that is less addictive and less expensive than commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals. In fact, cannabis is less harmful than alcohol. For the past 14 years, I've worked as a therapist specializing in addictions and domestic violence. It is my clinical opinion that cannabis, if used correctly, is less harmful to the body and brain than both commonly prescribed narcotics, opiates, as well as alcohol. I also speak before you as a military veteran suffering from health problems associated with my service. A terror attack I was involved with left me without hearing in my right ear due to a Bob's concussion blast. I was subsequently diagnosed with PTSD and I now cope with chronic neural pain on the right side of my face, which leads to migraines and severe headaches. I too have been prescribed narcotics for pain and benzodiazepines for PTSD, even though cannabis is a much safer option. Thanks to MCC, that's Minnesotans for Compassionate Care, and Tim Majerus, former pastor and soldier, for his testimony on cannabis and PTSD. Now, veterans are a high-risk group for the development of PTSD. Most of the conflicts in modern history have some pretty staggering diagnos diagnosis rates. 12% of soldiers returning from the Gulf War in the 1990s were diagnosed with the condition. 
20% of soldiers returning home in 2010 from tours of duty in Iraq were diagnosed, and 30% of soldiers who served in Vietnam will experience PTSD at some point in their lives. Soldiers are a very important group when discussing PTSD. That's why we're releasing this podcast close to Veterans Day, or Remembrance Day, as it's known up here in Canada. But it may surprise you to learn that there is another group, that being women, who are more susceptible than men to the condition. Looking at these stats, you really got to feel it for those female soldiers out there as being one of the most at-risk groups for post-traumatic stress. Next, we're going to jump to an article from Terry Robnett. She is the executive director of the Colorado-based Cannabis Patients Alliance. Here's an article from Robnet explaining why PTSD is first and foremost a women's issue. When people think about PTSD, they usually think about male combat veterans. Only about 17% of combat veterans are female. But PTSD isn't limited to the horrors of war. There is plenty of trauma to go around. It's estimated that 8% of Americans, or 24.4 million people, suffer from PTSD. Women experience PTSD at rates more than double that of men. The latest stats show 10% of women developing the condition compared to only 4% of men. While men are more likely to experience PTSD as a result of accidents, disasters, and combat, PTSD in women is more likely a result of sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse. Although clear statistics on veterans and PTSD are hard to nail down, it's estimated that 10 to 15% of veterans suffer from PTSD. That means that approximately 14% of Americans suffering from PTSD are veterans, while 87% of PTSD sufferers are civilians. Although the vast majority of our combat troops, 83%, are men, when these soldiers return from the battlefield, it's often left to the women in their lives to support their reintegration into society. The wives, girlfriends, mothers, sisters, aunts, daughters, and friends are often left to help pick up the pieces of lives shattered by combat. How many wives of PTSD sufferers have watched their loved ones struggle through nightmares and insomnia? or slip into pharmaceutical-induced stupors? How many have walked in just in time to stop a tragic suicide, or have been too late? Women who may not suffer from PTSD themselves are often in support roles such as rape crisis counselors or victim advocates. Many first responders are women, such as emergency department nurses, doctors, paramedics, and emergency medical technicians police, and firefighters. These women are critical in healing the damage left by trauma. When we consider a person's right to choose how best to treat their PTSD, including the right to use cannabis, we must not limit our discussion to veterans. Thanks to Terry Robnett of the Cannabis Patients Alliance for that piece about women and PTSD. Now that we've heard a couple testimonials and gone over the statistics, it's time to dive into the science of how cannabis works to treat post-traumatic stress. When looking at medical evidence, we need peer-reviewed clinical trials. 
thanks to many doctors, researchers, and medical professionals who have done tireless work studying cannabis and PTSD. That's exactly what we have. Our first study comes from New Mexico. It was conducted in March of 2014. New Mexico was the first state to list PTSD as a condition for the use of medical cannabis. The purpose of the study was to report and statistically analyze psychometric data on PTSD symptoms collected during 80 psychiatric evaluations of patients applying to the New Mexico Medical Cannabis Program from 2009 to 2011. The results showed more than 75% of patients experienced a reduction in symptoms when using cannabis compared to when they were not using cannabis. That study is published in 2014, Volume 46 of the Journal of Psychoactive Drugs. Our next study comes from Israel, with the results being presented at the 2011 Cannabinoid Conference in Bonn, Germany. The study followed 79 adult PTSD patients for over two years. The group consisted of 18 patients with pure or only PTSD, 27 patients with PTSD and depression, and 34 patients with PTSD and chronic pain. The cannabis daily dosage was in the range of 2 to 3 grams per day, and the cannabis contained both THC and CBD. THC levels were around 20% and the route of administration for the study was inhalation. As this was an observational study, patients continued to use their conventional medications like antidepressants, sedatives, and painkillers prescribed to them by their individual doctors before the trial began. However, over the two-year period, many patients actually reported a discontinuation or lowering the dosage of their conventional medications. In most cases, a significant improvement in the quality of life and pain scores were observed. The majority of improved patients belong to groups with either additional pain and or depression. Researchers concluded that the results showed good tolerability and other benefits, particularly in the patients with either pain and or depression in combination with PTSD. Next, a 2009 study from the Canadian Forces that focused on cannabinoid management of PTSD nightmares. It was discovered that 72% of patients experienced um, a stop or lessening severity of nightmares. In some cases, the benefits included an improvement in sleep time and even a reduction in daytime flashbacks. That study was published in February 2009 in the journal CNS Neuroscience and Therapeutics. The last study we're going to look at comes from researchers at New York University's Langone Medical Center. This study was published in the Journal of Molecular Psychiatry. The study divided 60 participants into three groups, participants with PTSD, participants with a history of trauma and no PTSD, and the last group was participants with no trauma and no PTSD. Participants in all three groups received a harmless radioactive tracer that illuminates CB1 receptors when exposed to positron emissions tomography, or PET scans. Results showed that participants with PTSD, especially women, had more CB1 receptors in brain regions associated with fear and anxiety than volunteers without PTSD. The PTSD group also had lower levels of the neurotransmitter anandamide 
an endocannabinoid that binds to CB1 receptors. If anandamide levels are too low, the brain compensates by increasing the number of CB1 receptors available. This helps the brain utilize the remaining endocannabinoids in the body. THC functions as an anandamide supplement. In fact, THC mimics anandamide inside our bodies. CBD or cannabidiol also plays an important role. CBD helps your body make anandamide more available to exert its positive benefits throughout the body. This demonstrates the important role cannabis or phytocannabinoids play in balancing our own endocannabinoid levels, in turn bringing our bodies and mind back to balance, also known as homeostasis. Biological markers of PTSD, such as tests for CB1 receptors and anandamide levels, could dramatically improve diagnosis and treatment for trauma victims. There are a few more PTSD studies to tell you about that are underway as we speak. There's an FDA trial in Arizona being hosted by MAPS. Alternate Health Corp has another large-scale trial underway in Florida. Well, up here in Canada, the University of BC is studying the effects of different cannabis strains on PTSD. That wraps it up for another episode of 420 Pod. For more on cannabis and PTSD, check out our Facebook and YouTube channels for a brand new video all about post-traumatic stress. If you enjoyed our show, be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. For inquiries about the show, you can contact Amber at 420clinic.ca. For all of us here at the 420 Clinic, this is Matthew Lundy, signing off.